0: What's up, Debating Metalheads, and welcome back to Debating Metal. I am Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal, your host, joined by my co-host, Chris K. Last episode, we gave you our take on albums that were re-released after their initial debut for one reason or another. Well, today, we're expanding on that list of
1: albums with part two of Remixed, Remastered, and Re-Released. Today, we're taking a look at albums that are more special edition than the re-releases we talked about the last episode. These include anniversary editions, deluxe editions, and even one that included a platinum award in its sleeve.
0: All right. So without any further ado, sit back, relax, turn it up to 11 and let the debate begin. Chris, we have six new albums that we're going to talk about. Not new albums, but six different albums than from the last episode. Some Um, quite old. (laughs) Say what? Some quite old even. Yes. Some quite old. Um. But the funny thing about them is that uh, only one of them is based on a debut album. Well, actually, that's not true. Now that I think about it, because uh, the first artist that we're going to talk about, it's it's we're going to talk about their debut album. But it, it, it's the art, the singer himself was not a uh, not debuting. Uh, but we'll get into that in a second. Um, and th- the albums are more. Kind of like like we just mentioned, special editions, anniversary editions, and the, and what the artists chose to do was really just kind of change it up, you know. Rather than go out with the twenty fifth anniversary deluxe edition it's just straight remastered and it's got a couple of bonus tracks, they went ahead and did full blown remixes, which of course, as we mentioned in the previous episode, forces them to have a remaster of that. So, what would you know before we get further along i mean is there anything you want to say about those
1: um well some i guess some of these technically had a couple different remasters um i think we're talking mostly about the most predominant versions or even sometimes the best versions i I think um two of them in particular that we're going to mention have multiple remasters
0: yes i think so too so anyway let's get on with it let's talk about these bands like i said there's six bands um, The first band that we're going to talk about is actually Fight. And for those of you who may or may not know, Rob Halford left Judas Priest in 1992 and formed Did. the band. Yes. He formed the band <laughs> Fight in 1990. 19- no, he never left. It was just a side project. <laughs> <laughs> who was that singer there in the mid nineties? Oh, <laughs> some rip <ripper. laughs> <Some> off. <rip-off. laughs> uh anyway um so rob oh, but,
1: uh, in all these years how i never thought of ripoff
0: <laughs> well i mean maybe have. that's
1: because i like Timber or but but yeah i that's an easy one wow
0: I, I, you know what and it's funny too now that i think about it i've never heard it before really you know because that's what he was <laughs> he was a rob clone
1: yeah essentially yeah
0: yeah, I mean, I mean, he different. did have his yeah, he had his own tone, but he was a Rob clone. <laughs> anyway, speaking of Rob Halford, he formed a band, uh, Fight, in 1993, and uh, in that band, he he formed it with Scott Travis. So he basically took Scott Travis from Judas Priest. They put together a band with a bunch of guys, if, if I'm not mistaken, from the Phoenix area. Um, they released an album called War of Words. And so it was technically their debut, um, and they didn't. There wasn't anything wrong with it. It wasn't like a demo-sounding kind of album. Uh, it was a full-blown, full-production, full-budget type of album. Um, but 15 years later, they decide to do a remix of it. So um, to kind of give a little quick background on the album. It was originally released in 1993 on Epic Records. It was produced by Rob Halford, co-produced by Addy Baugh, or Baugh, I think is the last name. And it was mixed and mastered by Rob Halford and Addie Bau. The 2008 Remix, Remastered Edition, was released um, in 2008. <laughs> 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 anyway, and it was remixed by Roy Z and remastered by Andy Horn. So, um how what were your thoughts on it when you gave it a listen?
1: So, I really always heard the original. Um I've had both versions for quite a while. Um but so I, I you know, I I don't really feel like this one was super necessary. It didn't change a whole lot and I felt like to some extent it kind of took a little bit of punch out of it, um. But overall, I think both versions sound fine. It's kind of a it's kind of an oddity to me. It's it's like maybe there was something there that, as the musicians, they heard like, I don't really quite like this, and we should we should, you know, alter this a little bit. But I, I don't really like listening to the album. I never thought, hmm, I wish this was a little stronger i wish this was mixed a little different i i always liked the original cut
0: the original the original release was kind of it was one of those i loved it from the beginning as soon as i heard it i was a huge fan um and it was something very metal about the sound of the album it was you know it was one of those things that he's like yeah this is a metal album just by hearing it but when you then listen to the remix version that came out. You you realize how much thicker that new version is, but it, it doesn't take away anything from the 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 songs themselves. It, it's you're right in that there's they're not drastically different, and they're not they don't you know not one's not way better than the other. You know they're I do,
1: and it's 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 weird to say, and they're just different than each other.
0: Right. And it was funny for the longest time I dismissed this remix as completely unnecessary. I didn't like it the first time I heard it. Um, but I guess I didn't pay that much attention to it. But when I, when we started doing this, um, the series for this, for these remixes and stuff like that, I started listening to it and and I paid attention to it and I'm like, you know what, this, there is, this is not bad. This is not as bad as I thought it was. Or uh, even to counter it, this is better than I thought it was. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and there's, there's points in time from the original that I prefer to listen to the original, but this remix version, one thing I took notice of right away was that although on the original, when you listen to the, the songs and you hear the bass lines, um, they cut through the mix and you can hear the, the, the actual bass being played, um, on the remix version you feel the bass more you don't hear it as much but you definitely like you feel the bottom end you can hear it a little bit you know especially if you're if if your hearing is good um, because when your hearing goes bad when you get older or from abuse you tend to only be able to feel bass as opposed to <laughs> hearing it <laughs> the frequent you start losing frequencies at the bottom at the bottom and the top uh, of of the range So I I thought that was pretty cool. I like that because I I understand so much more now about how to record bass, um, just through, you know, listening to producers and stuff like that. And it's, it's to me, I I like the way the bass sounds on the remix. The other thing too, is I, I, I like the fact that the drums sound more natural, on this because they take away some of the effects. They take away the, the reverb that makes it sound like it's in this big giant hall. Mm-hmm. Now, now it sounds like it's in the room next door to you. And it's like in your face in that regards. I like that. Same thing with Rob's vocals. They take away the reverb and they made it sound like he's right there in front of you. That is what I like about it.
1: You know, I, I get that. It's, it's, it's almost a different experience. Right. Um, exactly. yeah, one, one, they were trying to make it feel more grandiose and the other one feels more intimate in a, in a sense.
0: Exactly. That the, 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 the exact words, because that the whole grandiose thing, you can specifically tell during the song, uh, immortal sin, there's a part about two and a half minutes, almost three minutes into the song where, um, there's this little breakdown part where he, he, he says, a. Uh, he say, he may, he says the line and it's all the music is stripped. It's just him and the vocals. Well, obviously, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just him and you know specifically just Rob and right. And he he drags out the 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 last vowel or the last uh, sound of the word that he's saying, and then in comes Scott Travis with the drums. You know, he's hitting the the bass drums, toms, and all that, and you can hear Rob's voice with all the reverb on it. And then the drums come in and it sounds like it's in this big hall. But when you hear the remix version, it's just like, it's right there.
1: Yeah.
0: And And it, and especially listening to it on headphones, it sounds like Rob is literally just talking right in your ear as if he was standing next to you. And then that drum kicks in and it's like bombastic yet intimate, like you say. So I, I liked it. I like. I I definitely have changed my mind about how I feel about this particular remix.
1: It's it's definitely interesting. I'll have to kind of listen again in the context of what you're saying, um, because it's it, like I said, it's one of those things where I I also have dismissed it to some degree as unnecessary. Um, but the way you're describing it, it it does ring true as far as like. How um, it, it cuts in a different way, like just what what you said with, um, um, with Immortal Sin. Um, it, it's like you're right. It does sound much more clear, much more um, personal. And so, you know, I, th- I think each version is definitely worth listening to. I don't really necessarily feel like one is better than the other, um, but you may feel differently if you've never listened to the album too. I, I, I would actually be very curious to see what people think.
0: The one, the one cool thing about it is, is this is the type of thing where, you, you know, someone can choose one over the other and not, and not be wrong. You know, everyone has a different style of which they like to uh, absorb their music you know, in 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 the way they listen to it, mm-hmm. and and not, and I'm not talking about you know, oh, I listen to it on headphones or I listen to it in my car. It's just you know, some people prefer a certain type of sound, and so this actually gives you two different kinds of sounds: one more intimate, one more uh, bombastic, or what was the word you chose um, earlier? Grandiose, more grandiose. So, so yeah, so it's it's a it's a really good um, way to com- to compare the two, and the one thing I I, I wanted to say about the album too, is that, you know, as we mentioned all the time about all these remixes, we always say that the guitars sound thicker. Um, You know, in this one, you know, the, the guitars on the original mix were way up front. um, And they had like that buzzsaw kind of chainsaw sound to them, which was really cool. But when I compared it side by side, that sounded so much thinner, but yet very metallic, which, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess is the, 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 sound that they were going for. Um, But the remix, what I like about it, it brings it up to the same level as the drums for whatever, or brings it actually, let me take that back. It brings the drums up to the same level as the guitars because the drums in the original were definitely a little bit lower. And what I like about that is because, you know, while they technically occupy the same space, the frequencies are slightly, you know, one higher than the other. So they're able to, to basically coexist in that that high part of the mix. And so that's, you know, that's what I think what makes this so- one sound so so good, so, so, you know, what better, you know, in, in that kind of opinion, you know. But again, it's all up to you, the listener. Agreed. Um. So fight second album, they did the same thing for. So A Small Deadly Space came out two years later in 1995, and they gave it the same treatment. They did a remix for it. Uh, so we're just touching about uh, touching upon this album real quick. Um, the original album had a hidden bonus track at the end. The remix version took that off. Um, and the other thing that the remix version did is they rearranged the songs on the album. Uh, I don't know if, if they felt it was better flow or not. I, I, I recall Rob saying something that he didn't understand why it was changed, but he, he felt it was fine. Um, and then they changed the artwork. They actually changed the artwork for both albums, but the War of Words.
1: The War of Words is closer. It, it, they just yeah. added some flames and some color to it because it was just black and white. And then Small Death's face is massively different.
0: Yeah, it's completely different. It's some guy's teeth chewing on a bar or something like that is what it, what it looks like to me compared to the...
1: You know, I never realized that's what it was. It, yeah, yeah. I, I looked
0: at it closely and I noticed it was that...
1: All the yeah, for all this time, I never realized what that that was. I mean, the, the the actual cover is much more, you know, the actual cover is like artwork.
0: Yeah, <laughs> somebody's artist thing or whatever. But it was it's either one is fine. Um,
1: they both sound pretty good. So I probably would have done something different for the original. I mean, for the original cover because they had such a a good logo for the band, and then they just kind of throw it out and they put some odd font on there yeah
0: that first logo was super cool
1: yeah and they they used it for the the remake or the remastered version Mm -hmm. it's just just not a very good like the artwork's okay it's fine it just doesn't like when i look at it i don't think fight you know
0: yeah it it doesn't give you any balls yeah (laughs) but it's rob halford for you (laughs) all (laughs) right so anyway (laughs) um,
1: rob alford has more balls and plenty of balls so i'm talking about rob's
0: balls anymore (laughs) all
1: right our next
0: album that we're going to talk about is disturbed and the sickness their debut album so yeah i guess you know kind of wrong most of these albums are about debuts yeah i was gonna (laughs) say like there's the sickness there's it, I was completely wrong. No I words, was, just, yeah, one we're going to talk about in a bit. That's right. I'm a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Disturbs the Sickness. Originally released March 7th, 2000 on Giant Reprise Records. It was produced and engineered by Johnny Kay, mixed by Andy Wallace, and mastered by Howie Weinberg. And the reason I bring up Mastered by Howie Weinberg is Howie's a pretty big name in the mastering industry. So for music, and I just mentioned that because. The remaster was done by Ted Jensen, and his name is going to pop up a couple of dimes. The tenth anniversary edition was released March twenty third, two thousand ten. Almost ten years to the day. Remixed by Neil Avron, remastered by Ted Jensen, as I previously mentioned. Um, this is an anniversary edition, so it, it goes with what we said at the beginning, and. Um, it was also the first time this album was released on vinyl, and they released it as the anniversary remixed edition. Um, and I have that uh, one of the few newer albums that I have. Uh, I prefer to get, um, I prefer to try to buy the like old albums from the, the back in the day, back in my day, the '80s, as the originals. If I can't get the originals and there's a re-release that's available, I'll think about it. But, you know, yeah, know, our friend, that. our friend Matt from Miami refuses to buy any 180 gram vinyl because he just wants what it was supposed to sound like when you first bought it. So keep a crappy stereo and then you'll really make it sound like it did when you were a kid.
1: <laughs> yeah, if uh. I could only get my my Sony boombox. Uh.
0: Man, my first stereo was like it, it. not even a stereo. My first cassette, portable cassette player was it wasn't even a boombox per se. It was like one speaker. It was gray with black knobs and it almost looked military-like. It's really hard to describe. Um, almost looked like Lego to some degree.
1: Mm. My, and uh, It was weird. My first one was one of those ones that had a like the buttons on the front and there was a cassette player right behind it and it had one speaker sitting behind that. It was, it was like flat. It almost looked like a game console. Mm, was, wow. Yeah, not good.
0: <laughs> Is it ever good, the first one?
1: <laughs> uh, no, but, uh, you know, we liked it back then. So
0: <laughs> Well, we had to. <laughs> yeah. we had to <laughs> All right. So um, speaking of the Disturbed Sickness album, in my opinion, the overall sound of the remixed album sounds a little drier, a little clearer. Um, dr- the drums sound much more real. So they sound like acoustic drums. They sound like they're in your living room. Um, the original one, the original album, for, and I, it, this is so strange for me. And I know you're not a big fan of Disturbed, but the original album, for whatever reason, I never, <laughs> it's just so odd. I never realized it was a drummer. I always okay. felt like it was electronic. It wasn't. And I, and obviously I, 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 Tap my hands to the drum, but there was something about the fact that I didn't realize a drummer physically existed before Disturbed. It was—I don't know what it was—and then I then I saw a video, and they were playing live. And I'm like, "Oh, look, they got a drummer!" You know, and I'm, I'm like, "A." It was just this weird connotation that I had that I felt like it was mostly electronic because there's a lot of electronic noises mm-hmm. in in some of the songs that they play, and the drums don't always sound like natural acoustic drums, but, but that's the one thing I like about this remixed edition is that they sound like real drums. Like there's a real drummer playing them. I don't know what it is. May I, I am completely, you know, open to the criticism that I'm stupid for, for hearing it this way, but that's just the way I always interpreted it. I don't know so what what did you get from it
1: so in a lot of ways i agree with you as far as like i think the overall sound bet is better on the remix one thing i think that it is lacking on is the vocals get got pushed back a bit um i think they were trying to even out the sound a bit more but i i don't think that was a good choice because um his vocals being pushed a bit more forward gave it a little bit more distinct sound um the other thing I noticed that was like some of the fuzziness of the original recording uh, was corrected on the uh, remaster, so it does sound better overall as a whole.
0: Okay, I can see that. Um, you know, for the most part, the uh, the songs were left pretty much as the same original length. Um, they didn't.
1: Yeah, like... I didn't notice much of a difference. So as all, and I, and I
0: found it kind of odd that that that. So, you know, now that I think about it. It makes sense because when you're doing something in Pro Tools, and I put it that way, when you're doing a digital recording, um, obviously you're playing acoustic instruments, you're playing drums, you're playing guitar, you're playing bass, okay. But you're you're recording it into a computer rather than onto tape. Mm-hmm. So when you when you have these songs and you hit play or hit record and then you end okay remix or or not remix or you know original or not original it's only going to be so long whereas when you had tape you you press you press record you know tapes are spinning and then you you hit stop at some point right but the tape you always have extra tape at the end because you need something to, for the tape to grab onto. So there's always extra tape at the end. And so older versions, older songs that were done before the, the, the digital era when you remix them or you um, remaster them. Well, not the remaster when you remix them, you end up having a time chain, a, a change of time by a few seconds. So I, it it just dawned on me that that's the reason why all these songs are typically the same length and the same, you know, or there's no change in in the the actual time because that's it. There's your track. um, Let me pull up, you know, from, from this folder, let me pull up, you know, uh, you know, stupefy. Well, stupefy is four minutes, four seconds, or whatever the length is, you know, it's not going to change remixed, remastered or not, it's never going to change. So it that just literally dawned on me while we're talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> and it's because I made mention that, oh, they didn't change the length of the songs. I mentioned it with the Fight. I mentioned it on this one. And it's because although Fight was recorded at the beginning stages of the digital era, um, the early 90s, it, obviously it was... It had been transferred onto a digital platform and then kept that way. So, well, who knows? Maybe they did, you know, maybe Roy Z whipped out the original two-inch tapes. Who knows? So, anyhow, um, this special edition or this 10th anniversary edition of The Sickness, Uh, also came along with two additional songs called one called God of the mind and a welcome burden. Uh, God of the mind was originally featured on the movie on the, the Valentine soundtrack and it was released in 2002, excuse me. And it was released on the 2002 reissue of the sickness and a welcome burden was originally featured on the soundtrack for Dracula 2000 and later released on the lost children. B sides compilation in 2011, um, so they gave you a little bit of goodies. So you get two uh, two bonus tracks and a completely remixed album. So that's not a bad thing for a 10th anniversary edition.
1: Yeah, not bad. Um, I feel like if you're doing an anniversary edition, it, it should have some kind of extras. I mean, what else is the point if it's an anniversary? Like, Even if it's just a bonus disc of extras or something like that, I, I feel like it needs something.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, these guys, if, if you've noticed you know, when when bands put out these special editions of, of certain albums, they put out a lot of live tracks, demos, and stuff like that. That doesn't cost them anything. Mm-hmm. It costs minimal studio time. Um, so if you're going to sit there and say, oh, well, it cost me 500 bucks to do this, and, and you know, you're going to say, well, I'm going to charge a full price second disc, you're just being a dick at this point. Okay? because most of these bands don't have these big contracts like Aerosmith had, you know, with the $35 million contract that they signed with Sony. Um, They, you know, they have their contract where they recoup their money for whatever reason, whatever it is. So a lot of these bonus tracks, I mean, look, give the fans something. Okay. And we're going to talk a little bit about that later on our big four, but give the fans something that they can, they can grab onto. And, and quite honestly, even though this had two bonus tracks, both of those bonus tracks were available. And so even though the lost children came out the next year on, excuse me, even though a welcome burden came out on the lost children the following year, it's still one of those things where it had already been heard. It had already been released. So it wasn't previously unreleased or anything like that. I, I think sometimes you should give fans a little bit more, but, who am I to say?
1: I again, like I said, I feel like it's necessary, so. <laughs> right?
0: Okay, so moving on. Um, our next album we're going to talk about is Temple of the Dog again, a debut album. And, um, and I don't look at this so much as a debut album, so much as it was just a side project that ended up having you know an album released because they never put anything else out afterward, so it wasn't like you know they were expected to be a band forever because they knew they were in two different bands. So uh, Temple of the Dog was originally released on April 15th, 1991 on A&M Records. It was produced by Rick Parashar and Temple of the Dog. It was mixed by Rick Parashar and it was mastered by Ken Perry and Rick Parashar. The 25th anniversary Super Deluxe Edition was released in 2016 and it was remixed by Brendan O'Brien. So now we're talking 25 years later, we get a remixed special edition of this album. Um, what were your thoughts on this?
1: So I, this was a one, another one where I was like a little confused as to why they did a remix. I guess it's because, you know, um, it was the 25th anniversary. It's a big deal. Um, and in some ways, a 25th anniversary, 30th anniversary, those are always a little bit of a chance to have a cash grab. Um, but B- Brendan O'Brien worked on it, who had worked on like Pearl Jam's materials as well. So it makes sense that uh you know he'd get involved and and do a a proper remix considering his his you know affiliation with the grunge scene um overall uh i think it's a little bit better quality like i i think it sounds a little little uh, more streamlined in a way um but i think it's not necessary being that it's it's grunge also you know grunge is is like that word you know really defines the 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 movement in a way. I know not all the guys in in there like it, but neither did the hair band guys, and it does define that as well um, <laughs> so it's almost like it's not necessary because there is that that um idea of the rawness of some of the grunge music, but at the same time it. You can't deny when you put it on, and you go, okay, this sounds a little nicer, a little crisper.
0: I I I like the fact that you used the word crisper because what I realized when I was listening to this stuff that the grunge, the more let me put it this way, the more polished bands of the grunge scene have a particular sound. Yeah. Um and it's it, i've noticed I, I i've noticed it more when i was going through this exercise of listening to somebody's albums and i'm like oh shit i never really noticed that and what the remix did was it took away that sound and refreshed it with a more natural drum sound even though the original sounds like drums. It sounds like a natural drum sound. It's just a different tone, and it in no way sounds like a drum track. If yeah, if, right. No, no, it's not. It's not something where it's you know like they. It's a triggered snare that sounds completely different, not like that. Yeah. But there's there's something about the 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 you know like sort of like how nowadays the the modern snare sound sucks ass. Okay, ah. and so many bands use it. Wait. Okay. This is the era that we're in. So in the era of grunge, they had a particular snare sound. They had a particular drum sound that a lot of bands shared. It was because of the producer. So, you know, the producer sets up the mic the same way he uses the same mics. He he does the same tweaks and stuff like that. Even though the the, the playing is different, the attack is different from the actual drummer. There are, you know, and he may use a different size drum you know uh, a snare drum he may use a different size bass drum there's there's a similar tonality to all those drums um what this album did was kind of take that and twist it to make it seem like it's uh, for lack of a better term more real you know I, I, same thing we mentioned with fight and with with disturbed the it less sounds modified like it's sound. yeah it's it's more like it's in your living room kind of thing like you're listening to a real drum set in your living room um and so i that's what i liked about it cuz it kind of took it away from being grunge and made it for what it for made it contemporary you know, put it that way
1: yeah it know. has it has a different sound and
0: i mean the drum the bass drum has more punch the snare sounds more realistic like you know as as i've just mentioned and so vocally the other thing too is like in this particular case um chris cornell sounds more up in the mix there's a slight dryness to his tone uh and and yet at the same time there's an ambience to the sound so I, I, that's a really good recording technique because how can you sound dry yet sound ambient at the same time that's a really cool technique and i liked the way that came across on this album
1: yeah, I I think specifically like with the vocals and that's more what I was referring to with the crisper sound mm-hmm. is everything is is more um defined, I guess is a way to put it, where you can hear there's no muddiness to it. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Right, yeah,
0: exactly. I I agree with you. Um so one of the cool this things part is th- this
1: is, is and and so Sorry to interrupt but like No no sorry. That's that's um sometimes when you're listening to an album and you hear like um you hear the overall sound but you can't tell each instrument apart. You know, like you're just getting mm-hmm. that 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 is less of an effect there and everything is more um defined on the re- Good.
0: Yeah, and, that, and that's I think when you when you set out to do a project like this, that's gotta be the goal, you know, to remove some of the muddiness and it's not, it wasn't a muddy album, not by any, by yeah. any means, but it, it, I guess it is to, to more to redefine the instruments and clarify them so that it all sounds yeah. cl- clear to the listener. And, and I, I agree with that. Um, the uh, the 2016 Super Deluxe Edition that came out, um, so there was the first disc, which was uh, the original album remixed, uh, and then they added the three different mixes. So they, they took three songs, and they had Adam Casper remix those. So so not only did you get the regular album completely remixed by Brendan O'Brien, but then you get three additional songs that were remixed by Adam Casper. Uh, discs, excuse Disc two had uh, demos and outtakes from um, the recording sessions, as well as um, Disc three was a DVD with some live stuff. I want to say that this is either Soundgarden with, joined by some ground guys from Pearl Jam or Pearl Jam joined by Chris Cornell. It doesn't say, and I did not investigate deep enough to determine whether or not some of this stuff was. Uh, either or. And in some cases this may have, you know, being that it was 1990, this is actually the band playing some shows back in the day. Um, but the, the ones that are more later, like night, uh, 2011 and 2015, I believe, I don't know if that was a reunion of sorts. They did. May have been.
1: I mean, they had multiple reunions, right? They did the, the one off in 2014. So no. it could have been stuff from that time period. um, I really, yeah, I I didn't see any info, like without having the album directly in front of me, I didn't see any info that it was anything different than Temple of the Dog, so. Right, so like looking at the dates, you
0: know, on this live stuff, you know, November 13th, 1990, I can almost guarantee that that is Temple of the Dog, that's the band, because Pearl, Pearl Jam hadn't Come out with their
1: album yet? Yeah, um, the Soundgarden would be that would also be that, yeah. So,
0: the Lollapalooza one from 92, H- Hunger Strike, that that one's a curious one because Sound Garden and Pearl Jam played on the same bill in Lollapalooza. So, the mm-hmm. question is, who was playing with who? It just I don't believe there was a temple reunion so much as
1: it was Pearl Jam. Well, they were active you know, from 90 to 92, technically, and then so it could have been within that breadth and then. Um, they actually were, again, active in 2016. They had a one-off reunion in 2011, and that's probably where that 2011. Was right, the live at Alpine Valley.
0: Yeah, so so yeah, maybe it, it, it more than likely was that whole uh, that whole um, reunion thing. Um, all right, so and the uh, the last thing that was on that album was a. Blu-ray 5.1 audio edition on disc number 4. So, and that included some stuff uh that was live as well so it, it, it they give you a bunch of stuff which that's cool see that's the kind of thing you're supposed to get you're supposed to get all those bonus checks now mind you this in this particular case it's a little bit more expensive it's probably a twenty dollar cd which okay twenty dollars or maybe it was thirty dollars i don't know
1: you're getting your to money's get, worth for four discs right i
0: think you're getting your money's worth and i don't know if it was 20 bucks or not but i don't have it i wish i did but um i'd like to i'd like to get my hands on this at some point So that brings us to Twisted Sister and their debut album. I I totally am eating my words on this. (laughs) Their debut album, Under the Blade, originally released (laughs) in September 1982 on Secret Records. It was produced by Pete Way and assisted by Mark Mendoza and Dee Snyder. The remixed edition was released on June 13, 1985 on Atlantic Records, and it was remixed by Mark Mendoza and Denny McNerney. And it was mastered at Sterling Sound. Doesn't say who remastered it, but it just says it was mastered at Sterling Sound. Actually, it doesn't even say that. I looked today when I was writing the notes for this shit, and there's a stamp that Sterling Sound used to use on the vinyl. And they would put the little tiny, little tiny, the fucking thing looks like a fingernail, like the like the excess point of a fingernail. That's how small it is, but it says sterling. So that's when you know it was mastered at Sterling Sound. And this album also had a special edition that came out with a DVD that was released on March 31st, 2016, and that was remastered by Scott Hull. That remaster is the original version of the album, not the, not the remix. But so we're it, here to talk it was about re-released,
1: the released I mean, it was remixed by Razor Ramon? Oh, no. <laughs> no. Hull. Not Hull. <laughs> <whole. laughs> not
0: Hull, but Hull. Yeah, here you
1: <laughs> Come in here and remix your album.
0: From twisted sister. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So let me talk a little bit about this this thing and then I'll I'll get your feedback on this. Um the funny thing about this particular album is that it, it there's a there's a connotation with this album that um that this remix was an abomination to the original uh release. Um and you know more fans seem to agree with the fact that it was an abomination than uh, agree with the fact that it was a good thing.
1: Okay, so I wasn't alone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. And quite honestly, like, I listened to it. There are, there are really good things about the remix. No, there's not. <laughs> yes, yes, there are. Okay. It's, it, you know what? It reminds me a lot of Too Fast for Love with Motley Crue that you listen to the, the original mix, uh, the Leather Records version, and you say, oh, this is great. This is perfect. You don't, what, what do you need to improve? But then when you listen to the remix, you go, oh, well, they, it's thicker guitars, fatter bass, drums, drums sound better. Um, that's what happened with this one. But so many people were so in love with that raw sound that the original uh, gave off that they didn't like the slick production that the remix had. And there's parts to it that I say yes. And there's parts to it that I say, no, you know, there's, there's parts of it that I really, really like the original. And then there's a couple of times I'm like, yeah, you know, I wish they would have had a little bit more punch here, like the remix. So that's my take on it. The remix album was available, uh, on cassette and LP advertised as Twisted Sisters first LP previously available only as an import uh, or so said the hype sticker. And then the album itself, the remix album has a little permanent little hype sticker on the corner. It's not even a sticker. It's just literally part of the artwork um, that says remixed edition includes bonus track. I'll never grow up now. um So you already mentioned that you think it's an abomination. So give me your opinion on what is wrong with the remix. So
1: I think abominations may be a little harsh, Um, but my problem with it is, is like the drums aren't as loud. Um, The guitars don't like sting as much. Um, It feels like they, they took everything and they toned it down. Like they just, they just were like, let's make it boring. Um, and I don't know if the attempt was to make it sound a little bit more commercial and less heavy. I I don't really understand what the intention was. Um, the best thing that I can say about it is it does have the "I'll Never Grow Up" now um, single added into it, which is a good song. So that is a, that is a plus. Um, it's a catchy as shit song. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just it does not have that raw power that the original does. And I already think that, um, twisted sister for me, sometimes just never like really grabbed me. This is one of the albums that I think has that raw power that can, um, but the remix just really takes away everything that really appeals to me. So I think it's unnecessary, uh, aside from adding that one song in, I wish they hadn't messed with the mix: So I can agree with you on a lot of points that you just made, but
0: what I, what I like about the remix is that there's two things so one part about the, what I like about the remix is also the part that kind of makes it suck. And I'll explain. <laughs> the drums sound sound they sound it does, and I get it. The drums sound better, sound better to me on the remix however the over compression to make to 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 make it sound even killed the dynamics so even though the the snare sounds crisp even though the bass drum sounds fuller and and doesn't sound like it's a bass drum with a pillow in it um it took away from the impact that the drums originally had they sound better, but they they sound
1: constrained as well. Yes, it's it they it's like they tried to make it more effective, but they just took it in the wrong direction.
0: I mean, if they would have, if they wouldn't have compressed it as much and they would have let it breathe more, Agreed. While still changing the sound, it probably would have been a lot better.
1: Agreed. I, I, I'm on the same page with you there. I, I, there's there's things they could have done to Make it more effective. Hell, they may have had to re-record the drums to make it more effective. I don't know, but but what what the or the decision they did make just makes it sound weak, right? And I I agree with that. There's there's definitely it's like you took David Lee Roth off, and you were like, well, we'll put Don Dokken on. <laughs> now Don Dokken. Now not like 80s. oh
0: god, jeez. Yeah. Even then though, it's you know Don's voice was never powerful. But you know, I agree with this it's it, the the remix does take away a lot of the the rawness a lot of the power that it had behind it. yeah um so that that is part of it. you know, so end effect when you're when you know or end result is, yeah, you got a nice crisp sounding album. it sounds clear, it sounds um fresh, but at the same time, it's so compressed that there's no. There's no up and down. There's no dynamics. There's no room for anything to breathe. That it it doesn't sound fun anymore. Like you know, like you were saying. So it, that's that's the good and the bad about it. Is you know, and some people might find that fine. Instead to say, oh, I'd rather hear the clear drums. You know, they don't care whether or not the snap is snappier or the or the, of the 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 snap of the 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 snare drum had a particular tone that everyone kind of was used to and it was changed. You know, some people, oh, I can get this now in America without having to pay thirty bucks for it and import. Oh, okay, let me let me buy this, and they don't realize that the original sounded different. So, yeah. Anyway, um, one thing I did notice on it, you know, D's voice is definitely drier on the original and a little bit more up in the mix. And again, that's that's part of the compression that they're evening out everything. Um, the added effects that's on Dee's vocals again like you said take away from the intensity of which from which he sang and that's that's a shame because that's probably the biggest thing about d snyder and twisted sister is the intensity with which he sings
1: d has a very unique voice and taking away anything from his voice is is a detriment to twisted sister i would say correct exactly
0: you know, the, 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 big funny thing, like one thing uh, to note on these vocals, uh, on the song, shoot them down. Okay. Um, there's a line, if they want to play, then let's make them pay, you know, shoot them down with a fucking gun. Um, on, on the remix that plays out, shoot them down, shoot them down with a fucking gun, you know, and it, it comes through, but on the, the original, I don't know what they were trying to achieve. It, it almost feels like they were trying to edit or self edit or whoever, you know, I guess Pete way or whoever mixed it, um, they literally muffled out fucking the, the word fucking during that part. So it almost sounds like they were, so whoever was singing D was holding back the word, mm-hmm. you know, like when, when you, when you're talking to someone and you don't want to say the word fuck, you just like, so, you know, yeah, how was your fucking day? You know, <laughs> and, and, and you have this, Emphasis on the word after it that usually not supposed to be so emphatic.
1: Yeah, you know, it that. was.
0: It's kind of weird, you know. And I'm like, oh, well, at least they, they put back the way it was originally supposed to be. That's a probably the best thing <laughs> <laughs> on, on the release, other than uh, "I'll Never Grow Up." Now, yeah. um And as you mentioned, "I'll Never Grow Up." Now, the funny thing about that is, is it's a remix version that's on that uh, ver, uh, on that album remix from the original 1979 release. It sounds good. I don't think I've ever heard the original mix of I'll never grow up now because it does appear later on, on club days, volume one. And I believe that is the remixed version that's on there. It's not the original 1979 version. So who knows, but you know, I'm a big fan of this first album. Um, so, Anybody who is a fan of the first album out there and doesn't know that there's a CD-DVD release remaster of the original mix, it's out there. It's probably a collector's edition now. The the DVD is them playing live, I believe, in Donington. Um, So it's some really cool stuff uh, that's on there. And then it also includes the original Secret Records four-song EP Rough Cuts as bonus tracks. That's also a really cool addition to it. Okay. Alright, so that brings us to we have two more bands that we're talking about. And this brings us to the, probably the two biggest bands that are on this list. Um, what, what can I say? Megadeth. Killing is my business and business is good. Uh, originally released June 12, 1985 on Combat Records. It was produced by Dave Mustaine and Carrot Faye. I want to say that's the way you say the name. It was co-produced by Megadeth. I
1: think it was Carrot Top.
0: Ah, uh, no. <laughs> 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 it, this album was remixed. I think Dave uh, would kill
1: him <laughs> if he had
0: to work with him. I know, right? Uh, this it was remixed in 2002. Uh, and was released as the 2002 Remixed Deluxe Edition. Uh, it was remixed by Bill Kennedy. Um, Pro Tools was done by Chris Vrenna. Uh, of Nine Inch Nails uh, Marilyn Manson fame and remastered by Tom Baker it was once again remixed and re-released in 2018 as the final kill edition uh, that came out June 8th 2018 remixed by Mark Lewis and remastered by Ted Jensen as we mentioned earlier so this is a really interesting comparison there's three versions of this um and each version has one thing majorly different than the other. And we'll get to that in a second. You're a bigger Megadeth fan than I am. What do you have to say about this?
1: Um, so this is an album that I never really appealed to me a lot. Um, like, I like certain things about it. I think they obviously hit their stride after. Um, I have something I have in common with Lars. Um, so (laughs) (laughs) so um man i don't know this one's a tough one because like so the original version obviously has its issues um but i still prefer the versions of those songs like i just wish they would obviously there's the issue with the lee hazelwood right like he he didn't think that the the lyrics for these boots were appropriate so they had to beep them out for the second version the what the 2002 re-release then uh just a few years back uh 2018 they do the uh final kill remaster that's crazy to me that that was 2018 it feels like it was a lot sooner um or a lot more recently um but regardless uh then they they basically redid the song entirely um with the original Lee Hazelwood lyrics. So there's three versions of that song. Um, I'm going to always kind of prefer the original because that's what was intended. Uh, I think the second best version is at least the the new one because, you know, at least you get to hear all of it and (laughs) get to hear them sing. Yeah. You know, as opposed to beep, 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 you know, (laughs) screw the beeping. Um,
0: like uh, they could have just removed the fucking vocals and made an instrumental or something. It, it just the whole beeping. The worst part about it is that it literally covers the music. It, it's so, terrible. It, so like if they would have beeped the words, but at least let the music play, which could have been done. Okay,
1: that would have at least alleviated some of that stupidity. It would have helped. Yeah, it would have helped a lot. It was it was unlistenable. Honestly, the the 2002 version. I I really didn't like it. Um i so I kept my original, and i did I did not have the the two thousand and two version for a long time. um, but I do really like the the final kill remaster. I think that's to me the definitive version of the album it's it sounds the best uh I know they they changed the track listing essentially by taking these boots from being track four, putting it at the end as as track eight, other than that, everything's still in the same order um you know, not a necessary change, but I think it's fine because it's it. Even though I'm talking about it like it's this big deal, uh, changing the lyrics or whatever, it's still probably my least favorite track on the album, so it's fine. Um, you know, I, everything they did to to remaster it, I think, makes the album better, at least more along the terms of like everything that came after. Uh, Peace Cells, you know, uh, uh, Rest in Peace. It, it, it makes it more on the level as far as audio quality. But as far as songs quality, it's still weaker. Um, but I think if, if you're going to listen to a version of the album, it's either got to be the 1985 original or the Final Kill remaster. And I kind of prefer the newest version. So.
0: I so I had the original CD of Killing Is My Business, one that sounds like complete ass.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I also have the original album on actually it's a. It's a it's an import, um, a direct metal master of the original album, and that sounds great. Like I I took my turntable, took those tracks, you know, ripped them onto my computer. And then I went ahead and remastered it myself on top, kind of adding some punch to it. So I, (laughs) I actually have four versions of this album. I have the original, I have the original remastered. Then I have the 2002 remix remaster. And then I have the 2018 remix remaster. Mm. Um, but it's just way too much for one fucking album. Let me tell you. Um, no, well, I'm sure in two years there'll be a you know four. Oh God, I hope not. Um, so the, the the 2002, what what I don't like about what happened. So in 2002, you know Dave Megadeth, Dave, Megadeth Dave Dave, <laughs> Dave Mustaine is doing an interview. He's like, oh, you know, I never liked the original artwork because the guy fucked it up and he didn't do what I told him to do, and then we didn't have the budget to fix it, and they didn't do what I wanted, so. Now I'm doing the original artwork the way I wanted.
1: He's he's it was,
0: Lucasing it. Yeah, exactly. Revisionist history. So he does the original artwork, but it's an actual art. Now with the final kill, it's a physical piece of art that was photographed, and and that's supposed to be his his real vision. So you know he had he had two different visions, one in 2002 and then one in 2018. Um. And so the, the the remix that came out in 2002 was a vast improvement over what came out in, in 1985. Um, as far as audio quality. Yeah. For, as far as audio quality is concerned. Um,
1: and album it was, cover.
0: <laughs> yes, the album cover was better. The The audio was better. The drums sounded so much better. Um, there wasn't a ton of improvement, but that the whole debacle with these boots um, – because Dave wanted to put it on there, that's what ended up happening uh, with with all the beeping out of the of the words that Lee Hazelwood did not agree with. Um, so that's fine. Um, a couple years later, Dave gets his bug up his ass. Uh, so I, not even a couple years later, it it began with killing his business, and then all throughout two thousand three he decides he wants to remix and remaster his entire catalog up to that point. Um, there's something to be said about that. I mean, that is, that is total fucking George Lucas something. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and as much as George Lucas did all that and he added to some stuff, like a lot of the stuff he added was cool you know he made Tatooine look bigger he added more of the you know the the it's debatable the...
1: i i still prefer the original theatrical.
0: no no of course i get it you know uh, there's always there's always that person who's you know who's going to want the original original and I, and i agree with that i i would like to see the original once again but you know i'm um, if Like the whole thing with Greedo and Han Solo, they should have never fucked with. Okay. (laughs) But let's just put it that way. We could do a whole
1: podcast on just that.
0: (laughs) I know. But that, and so that's kind of what Dave ended up doing with the entire catalog. He remixed it, and it was not as good as the originals in many cases, in yeah. some cases there was slight improvements. Like there was some, probably some, some major improvements when it came to so far, so good. So what, but when you're talking about an album, like countdown to extinction that was recorded really well the first time, or even rust and peace was recorded really well the first time. And then you come back in to remix it and you fucking slam the drums and it sounds way back in the mix. And the bass drum is nowhere near as punchy as it was the first time. Then there's a problem. Okay. But getting back to killing is my business. That's where it all began. Um, and so, you know, you go down 16 years later and he gets another buck up his ass. But this time, this time, the guy Mark Lewis who did the remix, um, I, I I watched a video interview with him, and he was he was talking about this. He was approached by Dave Ma- uh, Dave. I was gonna say Dave Megadeth again. <laughs> I'm
1: going to call him pro- like Dave Megadeth for now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
0: might as well. That's who he is, right? Um, he was approached by Dave Mustaine, and Mustaine basically gave him full control. And that is probably why the final kill is so much better than, um the 2002 remix
1: well to to compare it again to star wars the best star wars movies were not directed by george lucas they were directed by other other directors true now to to counteract
0: that comment i just made part of the problem that that um mark had though was some of the parts were unlistenable um, and there were other parts that had to be redone. So there are guitar parts, there are vocal parts, especially on on these boots that were literally re-recorded in 2018 or 2017 whenever it was that they, they were in the studio and put on to the to the new final kill version. It's that is a, what total revision revisionist history because now you're actually re, creating something that was done in 1985 and you're trying to, yeah, you're trying to improve it, but improve what you have. Now you're going to say, oh, you know, I didn't like that guitar. solo. I'm going to, I'm going to rip a whole new guitar. solo. now you've changed the song. Yeah. You know what? Go rather than do that. What, what I would love to see, you know, fine. You, I agree with you that final kills a definitive edition, but uh, what I would like to see is the ultimate definitive edition. I want the first album the way it was remastered, just, just remastered. Don't fuck with the mix. Just give me the remaster. Make the, make the shitty sounding drums sound punchier by changing and EQing shit, not by, you know, that's what I did to my own personal version. Um, and then at the same time, give us the final kill version. So give us that ultimate. You have the first one, you have the new one. That's what I would like. You know, I don't necessarily have to see that stupid fucking skull that they did on the first album cover again, you know, but I would like to hear the original tracks as they were back in
1: 1985. No, I agree. And it's frustrating when, you know, you don't get that because it's, again, like Star Wars, it would be really nice to just have blu-ray versions of the original or you know 4k blu-ray whatever of the of the originals, and not you know the, the the one where they've added a bunch of shit in and changed things and you know just w- what we remember it would be nice exactly you know like i guess I, I saw the the
0: the re-releases in theaters when they came back out the second time if you want to put it that way um you look for some of the nuances, like you know, some of those little lizard horse things that that the stormtroopers were riding on. Uh, I can't remember their name. Do-back. I was never good with the animal names. What uh, dobacks? Right? Is that what you said? Yep. Yeah, that's a weird name. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> what in Star Wars isn't a weird name?
0: You know, they they was it in in the last one? They actually called them rats. <laughs> so I was like, they they use something from this from this Earth in that movie yeah
1: there's a few times and things they've done that i, I mm.
0: so and, you know um anyhow uh you, there's a with the dobacks when they were searching for c3PO and and r2 d2 when they when they landed and, and they found you know uh the ship that that r2 and 3PO had deserted there was a, a lot more stormtroopers on dubacks than there was on the original movie that doesn't bother me you know, it, what bothers me is the things when, you know, when you change the sequence, like
1: when you, you have know, the
0: whole, the whole Greedo Han Solo thing, uh, you know,
1: Anakin Skywalker <laughs> at the end being young and it doesn't make sense. Cause Luke would be like, who the hell's that guy?
0: <laughs> well, no, well, it was the, the, the version. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The, when,
0: when they, when they take the helmet off of Darth Vader and I'm, you know, spoiler alert, if you haven't fucking seen star Wars, okay <laughs> it is a new um, movie <laughs> you take you take the helmet off and in the original return of jedi the guy's a, it's an old fat head in there well they right? never
1: changed that they ch- what they changed was when he was ghost at the end
0: i thought they changed his face in there too did they did they know
1: no. no they didn't oh, change his face but they changed like when he was a ghost at the end but he's the guy from the he's the old man and that would make sense because that was the first time luke ever saw his face right but then in the remaster or the remake like whatever the, the 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 special edition they change it to be the guy who played anakin in the prequels <laughs> i
0: was gonna and say so luke hans, would be like hans
1: christensen <laughs> <laughs> yes hans christian anderson uh, <laughs> hayden christensen yeah, and, i was close yeah and, uh, <laughs> That he sees him, and if it were me, I'd be like, "Who's that guy?" You know.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. Especially since, well, did they did they keep um, did they keep the same
1: Obi Wan? Yeah, the old Obi Wan. So okay. okay. It's, uh, they should have had all young people and and Luke been like, "Who are y'all?" Like, who are no, you?
0: that would have been funny if they would have put if they would have put you know the other uh, what's his face um, who played Obi Wan uh, uh oh, the, the English actor is he English or Irish? McGregor yeah you and McGregor if they would imagine if they would have put you McGregor's face there with the with the with the ghosts you know instead of um the old man yeah that would have been weird that would have been weird but it, it would, would at probably been more like,
1: I'm pretty sure I know who you are but I...
0: but that would have been pretty appropriate because they they've got you know hans christian Anderson right next to him <laughs> so <laughs> Anyway, we're total side sidetracked it's on this thing here.
1: Fine. I think <laughs> I, it crosses over into metal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> metal lore. Um so uh <laughs> that's what I want to see with uh Killing Is My business business is good. I would love to to see an original version of the album re released, but I don't think I'll ever get that. So but I have my vinyl, so that's good. And I just realized today that I have the 2002 edition on CD and I had the final kill on vinyl. So I didn't, I didn't realize I had bought... I Now that I think about it, I do remember, but um, I didn't realize I had bought that um, when I saw it today.
1: It happens to me but, too. I go, I
0: own this? <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple CDs. I'm like, oh shit, I didn't know I had this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to get to the last band now. and so this band, um, and this is where the uh, Platinum Award inside the sleeve comes in, um, Kiss with Double Platinum. So this is not a debut album. <laughs> Yay. I, I don't have to eat my words on this one. This is actually um, a compilation, of uh, greatest hits that was released in 1978. This is something, if I'm not mistaken, I've read recently that the band did not want to do at the time. But they were basically taking a break from touring, um, and not only did they not want to do it, but then they were asked to go ahead and re-record one track because the, the the record company wanted to take advantage of the disco scene, and they made them re-record "Strutter" um, so that it had more of a groove and more danceable. Um, so they changed the way that the drum beat went on the on this song. So. That was re-recorded, but the rest of the album, uh, except for one song, so there's 20 songs on this, 18 songs were remastered, one song was re-recorded, and one song was left alone. Um, so to give the specs on this, originally released April 2nd, 1978 on Casablanca Records. Um, since it was taken from the first six studio albums from Kiss, uh, producers include Kenny Kerner and Richie Wise, Neil Bogart, Bob Ezrin, Eddie Kramer and Kiss Themselves. Uh, Strutter 78 was produced by Sean Delaney. The entire remix project was overseen by Sean Delaney and Mike Stone at Trident Studios in London, England. Um, did you give this a, a good
1: listen? I did. It's It's something.
0: it definitely is something i'm look i'm a big kiss fan i was i was super excited when i bought this and i i realized when i pulled it out yesterday that the version that i bought was a cutout um so this was already discounted by the time that i bought this so (laughs) it has a little it has a little corner that's been cut so it was probably cost 10 bucks when i bought it 11.99 or something like that instead of like whatever double albums cost back then. Um, but it had uh, the, the platinum award it actually had two, one in each sleeve. So you get a double platinum award. I still have mine. And and I, I looked at when I pulled it out yesterday uh, to take a look at it, you know, I pulled out the little award, and it says my name on it, Kenneth Dean. Uh, so this award is presented to Kenneth Dean uh, with helping us, you know, spread the word of kiss or some shit like that. That's on there. Um, so, it's it's super cool when you buy it. It's embossed. It's it's big silvery looking thing. And you get this album. And now if you're a real diehard Kiss fan at this time, back in the day, you listen to this album and you're like, whoa, this is different. Um, Real different. So I agree with you when you say it's different. It's something.
1: My biggest complaint is Strutter. I, I, why even re-record it? That was
0: Paul's biggest complaint too. <laughs> um, again, you know, it's it's kind of like you're at the control of the record company. They wanted to to get a song out on the on the disco floor, and I don't know. I mean, first of all, it's not. It, it just it, it it flopped as a hit. It didn't do anything because it's a you know it wasn't disco. It was a rock song that had a. a, a disco groove to it i mean i was made for loving is a better disco song
1: oh well, for sure i mean but that was intended to be a disco song Turning right. strutter, strutter into a semi-disco song I, I i don't know it's not a good version i did see i was it's always interesting to me like the comments that that people make and and this is always subjective right like there's no when you're talking about like what you like in music. The only objective aspects are things like, you know, what the production quality is, you know, things like that. It, it, but th- even then, like, you can prefer, prefer something, you can enjoy something that doesn't sound good because it just hits you the right way, but you can still be objective about it. There's nothing objectively wrong with the version of Strutter. It's just. <laughs> I, it's like they had it right the first time. Why? Why? Why re-record it in a worse version?
0: No, I totally agree with you. It. it so it's like you know we we go back, and we understand why bands nowadays record re-record things. It's about publishing. It's about mon it money. I was gonna say monetary. It's
1: about money. Money, 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 <laughs> it, money. It, it's
0: it's, a, it's about yeah. It's about the money that they can get for the song as opposed to what they were, were getting with the previous version. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, anybody who tells you otherwise is full of shit. Okay? It's all about money and making more money on the song that you made a lot of money with to begin with but now because you have licensing and all that stuff you want to get more money. Uh, mo' money, mo' money, mo' money. Um, but this this is not that. Well, this is a, a an attempt to make more money. It's just a really bad attempt, as opposed to a publishing change. And I I didn't particularly like it. But it you know as a kid when I listened to it, I'm like, oh, it's a different version. I, I didn't really pay attention. I did not realize it was meant to be uh, discoish, uh, groovier. It, I I never got the connotation back when I was a kid. Yeah now i listen to it and I'm like, eh, it's not that good <laughs> but but what's even funnier for anybody who's a kiss fan out there knows that anytime kiss puts out a greatest hits of some sort so you got double platinum you got um kiss killers you've got smashes thrashes and hits now i don't know about anything after that because uh those greatest hits albums were a little different um the ones that came after, they're they're more kind of just cash grabs, trying to get you know, trying to put out this regurgitate the same shit over and over again. Um, although, wait, uh, what's what's that? Is it Greatest Kiss? I think also had some changes on it. Each one of those releases had some form of remix versions of one or all the songs, starting with Double Platinum. Smashes, thrashes, and hits had you know what they, <clears throat> what many people call, an abomination of "I Love It Loud," where they took away the bombastic drums and made it just sound normal. Uh, they had Eric Carr singing "Beth," um, which Peter fucking complained about to holy hell, and it, nothing, nothing came of it because he had no rights over it anymore. Um, but this version, I mean, there's a couple of songs that stand out as whoa they've made some serious changes and for the most part most of the songs are just alternate versions if you want to look at it that way is any any particular song besides strutter 78 stand out to you
1: i mean for the most part no um yeah there's little differences here and there i mean you can you could tell the differences on you know some of the the remixed ones are specifically remixed ones like like hard like woman um i think was it calling Dr. Love sounds a little bit different for the most part. This just seems like an utterly unnecessary kind of like, um, uh, greatest hits, I guess, at the time. Um, I imagine it sold pretty well, so you know, it, yeah, it went platinum, right? So, you know, double <laughs> Wait, platinum went single platinum, um, <laughs> but you know. For the most part, it's unnecessary. I, I will say this: there are there
0: are a, a few songs that definitely, um, that definitely made it. There's a bigger difference. Okay, so the first one was "Hard Luck Woman," mm-hmm. um, like you mentioned. Was, the intro one I noticed the biggest like right. Difference. There's yeah. there's two that are huge big differences. Um, hard luck one being that like probably, I guess you would say the biggest differences because they had the intro was changed to be more acoustic. They, they started the vocals without any drums and then the whole band kicks in on the second verse. Um, you know, besides that of rearranging instruments and stuff like that. Um, not that they, all they had to do was just drop the knobs to, to zero, but, um, they, they, the remix itself, um, more compressed less spatial sounding at least drums drum wise um you know the drums and bass like i said come in on the second verse the vocal remix though is pretty interesting too because you know um there's more uh ambient reverb on on peter's vocals but when it comes to the chorus on the original it's so uh, it's it's all peter and you barely hear not one of the things that was the as as a Kiss fan, that, you, that we noticed is that a Paul song always had Paul more in the background vocals chorus mix. He was always higher up. The Gene songs always had Gene higher up, mm-hmm. so that you know he was the main person that you could hear in the background vocals or in, on the chorus. Um, and same thing with Peter and same. And I don't I don't even. With Ace, he he was always so far behind in the mix that you never heard him singing um, background vocals. But on Hard Luck Woman, they really, you know, on the original, you can barely hear Paul and Gene. And I don't know if Ace was doing background vocals or not. But on the remix, you can definitively identify Paul. And obviously through one thing or another, you can identify Gene. It is so blatantly clear, in my opinion. And I'm like, wow! I like it better because you you have that you feel like it's a group as opposed to just one guy singing. Um, So I thought that was pretty cool. And um, the flip side, you know, the drums were mixed in a way that made it made it seem more subdued. The song the song felt less uh, less enthusiastic on this remix. Okay, I can see that. Much like you said, too, with Calling Dr. Love, there were some changes on that. They changed the original. uh, Like, you know, when the the original comes out, you start straight to the riff. You know, it starts on the riff. Whereas the remix starts with this Gene Simmons moaning bit in the beginning. Oddly enough, the vocals come in at the same exact point, even though they cut most of the riffing out on the remix, it still, it still starts at the same point. So the vocals, like I said, begin at that 20, that 22 second Mark Uh, and the drums again, more compressed, less dynamic. So there's that, there's a lot of that going on, on the, on the remix. Um, The other songs that are kind of uh, uh, definitely noticeable was hundred thousand years. And Detroit Rock City and Black Diamond. So with 100,000 years, man, the mix, they killed the bass sound. They just flattened that puppy out, made a sound. You could, it was almost like, you know how when you play, when you hear a bass guitar played with a pick, you hear that pick sound. Mm-hmm. So that pick sound has a particular tone that, that defines that bass. Uh, when I when I mean it that way, it's like it, it's not the click, but it's it's not very bassy. I don't know any other word to put it that way. Whereas on the on the original version, it sounds even though Gene's playing with a pick, it sounds deep. They 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 killed whatever deepness it had on the remix. Um, the original has it's it's very strange when you listen to it. You hear and when you hear the drums come in you can actually hear the the drums naturally vibrating in the studio you got if you're listening to this listen to this on headphones crank it up pretty good where you, until your ears can't take it anymore and listen to that drum sound it is so cool and there's even a part if you pay attention close enough where you hear talking before uh the whole band kicks in it's very interesting there's some someone is saying something in the background you don't it's inaudible in terms of what it's said but someone's talking it is clear as day so interesting completely gone in the remix um who knows it's just it, it's flat it's thin i don't like it as much um detroit rock city they take out the entire intro
1: yeah that was weird to me like how do you take out a really iconic intro like that and then they
0: they they removed the car crash at the end too yeah so and then they they messed with um the the chorus they actually threw a get up in at the end of the guitar solo get down and i'm like what the hell is that for you just like killed the fucking guitar solo (laughs) you know (laughs) um and then for whatever reason, they decided that let's go ahead and stick that really cool guitar intro from Rock Bottom, the Ace Frehley multi-layered guitar solo. Super cool guitar solo. Well, we're going to go ahead and, first of all, fade it in. Second of all, not, never get it to the volume that it needs to be. And third, we're going to cut a chunk. We're going to cut a minute off of this song. Like, what? I mean, they, they cut the part that where there's an actual octave change, they took that right out of the song. So it, it, it's just, it it was, it, it, that had no bearing. Look, look, a minute is not going to fucking kill. However many songs are on the record. It's not going to kill the time. It's one minute. Okay. You're already only putting, you're putting five songs on the side. I mean, you put 20 songs on a two disc album you could have put six or seven songs. There's only three minute songs in general. So one minute would not have made a big difference and at least play the fucking full version and in, in, at full sound. Uh, I don't know. I was, I, that was upsetting and I'm not upset about it now. I don't care anymore. <laughs> uh, but, um, and then the other big, big change came to black diamond. Whoa. That's a huge difference.
1: Yeah, I, I don't really care for the version of Black Diamond here.
0: Now, you see, I do. And here's the reason why. I can't stand that shit that
1: ends on the original.
0: Oh, I fucking can't stand you can that. Skip
1: that. I mean not on yeah. record. I mean you can, but it's more difficult. Well, I'm, right? I mean, once you
0: if you're listening to it on C D and you get to that point, you go to the next song. Yeah. If you're if you have enough awareness. But that's what I like about this the remix version is that you get to that point and then it starts over. It goes back to the acoustic intro. Okay. I, I, I don't have a problem with that. And then it fades out. Um I do like though, where on the original it goes straight into the to the vocals, like you know the the guitar and the vocals come in immediately. I actually like the fact that they gave it a measure of just acoustic guitar, or and, and then then Paul's vocals comes in. I like the way they did that, and I like the fact that they restarted it when it got to that point at the end of the song.
1: Maybe I have to listen to it more because I mean I, I I've never really listened to these this until you know time to to uh discuss this album Mm -hmm. um i I never really felt a necessity so um i mean i've been i've been you know
0: with this album for 40 yeah 40 something years you know so
1: yeah that's that's different (laughs) right and and, (laughs) i've been with it for 40 minutes So
0: and you know, I think you and I had talked about the song. I had mentioned it. You know, uh, like Peter Peter Chris's vocals sound doubled, uh, and, mm-hmm. and you had heard it. And
1: it's but I, 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 I think that takes away from it because it just it, like his voice. Like that's the best thing about Peter Chris to me is his voice. So like when he sings on, I like Black Diamond a lot. I think that's one of their their better songs. And like I don't know, to me it took away from the, the vocals.
0: No, oh, no, I, I agree with you. I, 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 you know, it was, they, they either doubled it or they, they put so many effects on it that the, 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 the it made it sound like it was doubled. So there's a, there's a, a delay an echo shit ton of reverb. I don't like it. Um, the chorus is done that way as well, you know? So there's, there's parts of it, you know, the chorus is up there, you know, and, but it, it, I think overall that whole doubling effect from Peter just takes away from that. Yeah. Although you can hear Paul and Jean again, relatively clearer on this chorus than before. Um I, although there is that, I still prefer this version over the, over the original, just because of the way they cut out the end. Mm. I can't, st- man, the first time. So here's the funny thing I had, Kiss, the first album, was the second album I bought from Kiss. The first album was Kiss Alive 2. The second one was was uh, was Kiss. I don't know where along the line, because for the longest time, and I'm talking several years, I used to keep my Kiss albums in the order in which I bought them. Fuck alphabetical. <laughs> fuck, fuck the year that it came out. The year I bought them. I only remember the first two. I don't remember what was number three, but I would, I had a, a a unique memory and I'm talking, uh, it was probably the, the, if you put a wad of records and you just grab a whole bunch, it it probably about 15 records, 16 records or somewhere around between 15 and 20 albums, especially back in the day where single albums were real thin. They weren't 180 gram. I used to, I used to keep that in that order for the longest time. So I'm say several years. Yeah. Um, I never really paid much attention to black diamond so much so that I liked the version on, uh, because that was the thing I listened to like kiss. I think kiss alive one was maybe like my third or fourth record from kiss somewhere around there. And I remember hearing the live version, and you know, you had the instead of the, brrr, the slowdown, it was explosions and band crashes, and like bam, bam, you know, and they're just trying to end the song. And that was cool. That whole fucking slowdown was just disturbing to me. When when I heard the double platinum version, I'm like, oh, this is cool. I like this. I don't have to hear that shit. So I've always liked the double platinum version. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Well, that was our take on these six albums. And that brings us to our big four. And we didn't mention anything about this at the beginning, but our big four tonight is big four re-releases. Um, so this can encompass box sets, special editions, anniversaries, remixes, all that happy stuff. Um. I've got a a unique set. I originally told Chris today uh, that I was not going to do any box sets, and I think I completely reversed that.
1: (laughs) You also told us we weren't going to do any debut albums. (laughs) I've just
0: been full of shit tonight, haven't I? Uh, uh, All right. Um, You want to go first on this one, or you want me to go first?
1: Actually, I'd like you to go first today.
0: You want me to go first? Okay. All right. So my big four re-releases, or I'm going to go ahead and put this as my big four box sets, if you want to look at it that way. Um, number one for me, or actually not number one, number four for me is Def Leppard, the early years, 1979 or 79 to 81. That's a five-CD box set that includes On Through the Night, remastered, High and Dry remastered, uh, When the Walls Come Tumbling Down Live in Oxford, Too Many Jitterbugs, b-sides and rarities and raw early performances so that is really really cool presentation it's meant to look like a used uh record sleeve where they have the round part on the front that has been pulled in and out of your collection so many times that you've you've rubbed the record into the the front of the, the 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 sleeve the only problem is it's 10 inches or nine inches, something like that. It's not a full 12-inch vinyl size box set. So I'm like, eh, if you would have done that, that would have been perfect. But it's still a really cool set. I I actually wanted it strictly for the fact that High and Dry was remastered, uh, because they don't have a remastered edition out there available at the moment. And then again, it came along with On Through the Night as well. So that's the way I have that first album. Okay. Number three is Guns N' Roses Appetite for Destruction, the Locked and Loaded Edition Ultimate Box Set, which is you can get it now for less than five hundred bucks. <laughs> and when it first came out, it was thousand dollars. It was a vault-looking type of box set that contains um, some vinyl, some seven inches, some uh, four CDs, a Blu-ray and a shit ton of memorabilia. The super deluxe edition of this box set is basically a 12-inch sized box set that has the same audio on it, the four CDs plus the bonus uh, uh, Blu-ray. It has some memorabilia, but it's not that vault-looking box set. Both of them are super cool. I have the super deluxe edition. I got it on sale. It was like 150 bucks. It was super cheap compared to the original, like 250 that they wanted.
1: Yeah, I remember when it
0: dropped. Yeah, and, and it's funny because I've seen it like that that the big box set. It's like, oh, you can get it on sale now for 3.99. Like, Oof, not a bad price for what you get, but it's still extremely expensive. Number two for me, Iron Maiden Eddie's Archive. Now, what big four type of collection set would not be complete without Iron Maiden? Um, This one has got three double discs on it. One is the BBC archives. Two is the Beast of a Hammersmith live concert during the um, Beast on the Road tour, 1982. Basically, Bruce Dickinson's first tour. And then it has a double CD of Best of the B-Sides. It also comes with a family tree. And it comes with an Iron Maiden shot glass. Now the shot glass is pretty standard, but the what it, what's what the shot glass is sitting on is five legs that have uh, Eddie adorned on them. So that's pretty cool, and a nice little metal can display case type of thing. Very neat. I bought it strictly for the Beast Overhand. Well, not strictly. It was the best the best way to get a CD version of the B sides. Um, and then all the archival stuff from the BBC as well as the Beast over Hammersmith was well worth it. And they just released Beast over Hammersmith last year for uh, on vinyl as, as part of the 40th anniversary of Number of the Beast. So now you can get it on vinyl or CD. Very but cool. If, if you don't have the archive, you're not going to have the CD, and that's kind of hard to get. So, But you can get the MP3s if you're out there. All right, and number one for me, is the Metallica box set series, which is technically incomplete, right now they have the first five albums that have been released in these ultimate box set editions. Uh, each one has been pro- getting progressively bigger. The first two came out at the same time, so it was Kill 'Em All and Ride the Lightning. Then came Master Puppets. Then came and Justice for All, which was a huge box set when it came out. I was like, man, how much bigger can it get? Oh shit! I didn't realize the Black Album was going to be o- almost fifty percent thicker crazy how big that box it is i can't even imagine what load and reload is going to be like when the because i believe they're coming out as one box mm. Just, i mean if they put it out as two boxes it'll <laughs> be a cube <laughs> <laughs> it'll be like the guns and roses uh, yeah. vault i mean if they put it out as two separate i i believe it would it, i almost believe it would be an injustice but if they have that much material it would be um really cool the the reason why the metallica box set series is number one for me is it's not because i'm a big metallica fan i mean obviously that's a big part of it but i think of all the box sets and all the things that are out there that that these bands and artists give you as bonus material no one has been able to compete with what metallica has given the fans and each album has been has progressively gotten bigger and bigger. Um, Kill them all. I mean, they gave you performances with cliff um, and not just shitty performances in terms of, of quality, but some pretty good, decent archival footage that was, that's been out there. Like a lot of it was on, on uh cliff them all, but now you've got the full version. Was really cool. You have some bootleg um, albums uh, that were that have Cliff on it. I mean, everything's got Cliff on it. Um, the book that's in there is really cool. Some of the little tiny they give you some pins and patches and stuff like that. That's all cool. But demos and and you know the vinyl has got different concerts. You know different bootleg concerts that people sent into the band, and each one got progressively bigger and bigger. Um, Master Puppets has a lot of cool footage they gave you a dvd so you could see some concerts um and then and justice for all the they put on vinyl the um the seattle concert so now now you you had the video with the binge and purge box set now you've got the audio which is killer and then they re you know they remastered the original audio to make it sound even better. So Greg Fiddleman did a good job with that, or his crew, some of his people in his crew. And then of course the black album presentation for the 30th anniversary was insane. How much stuff came with that? Um, so and like I said, load and reload is going to be pretty huge. I'm guessing Saint Anger is not going to have a lot, but. <laughs>
1: Hey, you never know. It might come with the movie and all that other stuff, too, so it might be a If, they, if thing. they
0: put out a box set for St. Anger, hopefully they'll put the Presidio mixes or the Presidio songs in there. That's a thing that uh, a lot of fans want. Yeah,
1: I would think they would have that. And then um, the, what was the Blu-ray?
0: Some kind of monster?
1: No, 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 not the movie, but the live performance that they did. Oh, uh, Through the Never? uh i don't think so it was it was just a live performance that they released it was like in france or something like that oh um
0: oh, i don't have it here
1: uh the one where they were at
0: the, at the the col that coliseum yeah that was yeah, there yeah, in france? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay um, that had now, i had good versions
1: of those songs on it i mean i would i would think there's a possibility they could release that with it too or something something at least like the audio versions of those tracks or something like that you know they because they have live versions on the 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 um you know extra discs and stuff like that so
0: right yeah i mean it they've got obviously they got plenty of stuff but um i'd be interested to see you know like because there was supposed to be like there was something that they mentioned recently before 72 seasons dropped what they were talking about oh you want cover versions we got cover versions and that was a, a lot of people took that as a hint as another garage ink was coming out. So something like that. Oh, okay. Um, that would have been really cool. But then all of a sudden they dropped 72 seasons on everybody. So um, maybe, maybe with, you know, a box set with garage ink, something that would be fucking cool.
1: Yeah. Oh, that would, that would be worth it. If it, if garage ink had a bunch of extra covers.
0: Totally yeah. Good. I mean, it, I mean, think about it, like the 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 Ramones covers that they put out are is not part of Garage Inc. because it came out well after that. Yeah. Um, they've done a few other. You know, they did those medleys, uh, the Ronnie Rising medley. They did the cover for Remember Tomorrow. So there's some covers that have been released, but you know, much like the singles, a nice one collection would be cool. Yeah. All right, man. So what is your big four re releases?
1: Um. So I didn't go box sets. Um. But I did some collections, so uh, I'm going to start off with Nevermore's um, Enemies of Reality. If you've ever heard the original, it just had really shoddy production. Uh, When they did the re-release, it sounds so much better, and they really did the album justice. Um, My number three is kind of a cheat, Um, but I'm, I'm throwing two in there because they are bootlegs um in a way so i'm doing the death magnetic uh guitar hero mix if you know like they, they i'm sure you've heard it
0: oh yeah, I, I have it on my my iphone <laughs>
1: exactly and the injustice for jason uh mix where it actually has the base on injustice for all so the reason i threw both of those in there is because they're you know they were uh not official releases but um i think most fans don't care um. So, so like, they're both awesome versions. I think they improve upon the albums. Um. You know, and Justice for All is debatable because that album is really great as is. But it is really nice to hear bass on it too.
0: So you know, what's funny about the Death Magnetic version from Guitar Hero? Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, everyone complained about the audio quality because they they basically slammed it when when it became an MP3.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But what? The other thing that happens on the the Guitar Hero version, you can actually hear the bass better.
1: Yeah, no, overall it sounds much better, just in general. Yeah,
0: so it's it's pretty funny.
1: My number two is Still Life from Opeth. Um, That's you know another band we haven't heard much from, Um, but uh, the version or the second uh, remaster that they did um, added a, a stereo mix, which greatly improved the release so um, to me that's the definitive version of that album it's a really good album and I think a lot of people overlooked it because the original release sounded so bad and then my number one is the Death Remasters Um, so a few years back um, almost a decade ago or a little over a decade ago at this point I guess um, Death had all of their albums remastered not all of them are better. I think I think S- Scream Bloody Gore is probably the the weakest remaster because it did kind of throw Chuck's vocals back a little further. But I think other than that, all of the others to me sounded really good, um, especially Sound of Perseverance. I think that was the strongest remaster. But what, what else was really good about those was most of them ended up becoming either two-disc or three-disc versions, and they had a lot of extra material, including live versions or um, a lot of demos, which was really cool to hear because, you know, for a band that there's no possibility of ever getting new material from, um, you know, because Chuck's passing, um, it is really cool to hear those, those early demos and other versions of things, and, and uh, you know, even different vocal versions of things. So um, I think those are really worth the money they sound great and uh if you have not heard them definitely check them out definitely and then didn't death just do a um
0: a live series of bootlegs that that came out on relapse records yeah so that was basically also-
1: they they took any live recordings that they could find and uh released them they don't sound the best but
0: the, it- the first couple did sound okay but then yeah they kind of went a little a little deep
1: yeah, and and it is what it is, and they they made no qualms about it. They said these are not like perfect recordings, but this is what you're gonna get, and and it was mostly because people wanted it. So right, exactly. You know, it, it's nice to have, but it, don't expect perfect audio quality.
0: Uh, I I listened to some of it, and it was like I said, the first one that came out was kind of like a teaser, and like, oh yeah, this sounds not too bad, you know, and then all of a sudden the the, the third one comes out like, ooh, this sounds like I just. Walked over this with my cassette, my my bike. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, uh, it was really rough listening. But all in all, uh, through this series that we just did, um, I I really enjoyed going over all these remixes and stuff like that. And we didn't really touch upon the fact that most artists nowadays are remastering as, or let's put it, as most legacy artists are remastering their catalog, um. If, if they came out with albums in the 70s, 80s, and in early 90s, especially through a major American labels, they their CDs sounded like shit. Um, and most of these bands that have been putting out anniversary editions and stuff like that have put out some really good um, product. They've done some really good remastering as well as adding all in the bonus tracks and stuff like that nowadays it's more about the anniversary editions um you got a lot of box sets coming out like black sabbath has released a few box sets for a couple of albums they've re-released for whatever reason they keep putting out the same fucking version of heaven and hell deluxe edition and right, right? They change <laughs> they put it out to- like i'm like oh they're, re- they're releasing heaven and hell in a deluxe edition i'm like uh you mean like the one they put out 10 years ago that i have yeah okay thank you (laughs) You and it's the same exact songs, same exact live songs everything
1: i mean it's it's a it's a fucking great album so i get why but at the same time it'd be nice to have a new edition new version something different yeah
0: there's there's um there's a lot of good stuff out there for everybody and i i really enjoy a lot of these remasters um i'm not going to criticize one particular band that has a completely terrible remaster of their first album or their major label debut, but, uh, a Pantera. Other than,
1: uh, yeah. <laughs> <Terrible>. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to say that, but okay. Um, cause the album,
0: the album's great, but the, the remaster is terrible.
1: No, the original is a near perfect album. And then they, the remaster just uh, everything shitty that they could have done.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, that's our big four re released albums. And that is the end of this episode of Debating Metal. Remember, you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora,
1: Podbean, and all the others. So click, like, or subscribe. And thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, you can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or you can send us an email to debatingmetal at gmail.com. If you listen to us on YouTube, be sure to leave us a comment and ring that bell to be notified when we post a new episode. And remember to keep an eye out for our next episode when we spark up another exciting metal debate. On behalf of Kenneth and myself, stay safe, and always turn it up to 11. See ya!